We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to A Taste of Romamu, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Romamu, please visit romumu.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. I've been noticing lately that whenever I ask my teenage children to do something, they think I want it done immediately, right at that moment. They hear the voice of command demand when I think I'm issuing a request. Please, please walk the dog. Now? Just walk the dog. Clean up the table, please. I'm, I'm doing my homework after I finish my homework. Later, maybe. Their first impulse is resist, defer, avoid. The other thing I notice is that when I rebuke them in a way that I think is gentle and with, with kindness, I find out later that I've been yelling. I'm like, I was yelling? Really? Yeah, you were yelling. Um, so no matter what I say or do, they hear the command-demand voice. And I'm wondering, well, actually, before I wonder about today's Torah reading, I want to ask all of us, how do we experience the voices of those closest to us? Harsh, kind, nurturing, oppressive, repressive, probably, I'm guessing for many of us, all of, the, all of the above, depending on the moment. How do we hear more specifically the voice of obligation in our lives? Is it command, demand, a voice demanding everything from us? A call that brooks no tolerance for imperfection, no allowance for experimentation with all the mistakes that come with experimentation? No room for play? Or can the voice of responsibility be a voice that is playful, gentle, leaves room for life and flourishing? So let's consider today's story. On the face of it, it's a brutal one. It's about a God who asks our forefather Abraham to take up his son and sacrifice him. This is after many, many years of Abraham waiting for a child who he finally had at 100. It's his second child. His first child was from Hagar, uh, Sarah's handmaiden. And his second child is from his wife, Sarah, who was 91 year old, years old when she gave birth. So finally they have this child. They have a weaning party. And after that, at, um, God says to Abraham, take up your child to the place, to the, to the land of seeing, to Mount Moriah, and offer him there as an offering. So what that seems to mean, the word Allah, 
seems to mean elsewhere in the Bible that Abraham is to sacrifice Isaac. You could just imagine how confused Abraham is. He waited all these years, and then God says, sacrifice your child. What? But let's think a little bit about how, who Abraham is and how he might listen. So when the first call came to Abraham, Lechacha, go forth, leave everything you know, your birthplace, your father's house, leave, go into a place that is unknown. God's first command to Abraham was disconnect, right? Disconnect from everything you know. Disconnect from everyone you know. One could say that Abraham's God is the God of disconnection. And then there's another command from God, one that we heard yesterday. When Sarah was threatened because Abraham's older child, Yishmael, was laughing, she wanted Abraham to kick Yishmael and Hagar out of the house. And God said to Abraham, listen to her voice. And Abraham kicked them out of the house into the wilderness with a bit of water and a bit of bread and, and to their likely death. They did survive, but that was only with an intervention by God. So again, take the people you love most and disconnect. Right? That's Abraham's God. And then today, today, again, please take your son, your only one whom you love, Yitzchak, and go for, from, forth from the land of Moriah, the land of seeing, and offer him up there as an offering. So take the son you love most of the, in the world and sacrifice him, kill him. Again, it's a God of disconnection. Why would... God keep issuing these commands, or why would Abraham keep hearing these commands? Perhaps Abraham believes that God wants absolutely everything from him, that there is no room for anyone else. What's really ironic is that the first time we hear the word love in the Torah is right here. Take the child who you love. Now let's think for a moment about Abraham's relationship to Sarah. Right? The first thing Abraham says to Sarah is, pretend you're my sister so the king of Egypt doesn't kill me and take you. No comment from Sarah. The next piece of conversation they have is Sarah says to Abraham, lie with my handmaiden. No comment from Abraham. No dialogue. The only dialogue and so far as I remember, is after Abraham lays with Hagar and she becomes pregnant, Sarah blames it on Abraham. It's your fault. It's your fault. And Abraham, guilty as he is, says, take your handmaiden and do with her what you want. And she abuses her. She exploits her. She oppresses her. Another small detail is we're never told that Abraham and Sarah make love. That's nowhere in the story. Perhaps Abraham is so devoted to God 
that he doesn't have the bandwidth or emotional capacity to connect to human beings and God. So when he hears the word love, he is completely destabilized. What could that possibly mean? He doesn't know. And so he thinks it must mean I have to offer up the son I love to God. Because everything in my life is about God. It's not about human beings. I can't have both. God disagrees. First comes the command from the God that is called Elohim. That is God, the God of, of judgment. The Zohar says that that God speaks to us dimly. Right? It's a voice that we don't hear clearly. But the next time God reaches out to Abraham, or it's an angel of God, it's the God yud Hey vav Hey the God of life, the God of existence, the God of affirmation. That God says, once Abraham has the knife in his hand and he's about to slay him, he says, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham says, Hineni, here I am. And God says, don't do anything to your child. Don't hurt him. According to the Midrash, the Midrash says, what? Abraham says, what? I can't even make a little scratch? I can't even like draw a little blood? So committed was Abraham to his script, to his narrative, to the harsh voice that he hears, he couldn't hear anything else. And in fact, the Kliyakar, the Bible commentator, tells us that Abraham was in a trance. And it wasn't until the second Abraham, 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 did he wake up. And perhaps that is when he woke up to the voice of gentleness, to the voice of love, to the voice that says, it's not only one path. I'm not like your jealous lover, right? You can have human beings in your life. You can have family in your life and you can love them. And that's how you can worship me. That's how you can affirm your relationship with me. Perhaps Abraham listened to God's voice until now through a traumatized lens. In the book, Until We Reckon, by Daniel Serrett, Danielle Serrett, a book about mass incarceration, she describes trauma as that which limits the horizon, horizons of possibility. We can't see possibility. We can only see one way. And it's not until Abraham hears the second voice that his eyes are opened and he sees the ram caught in the thicket. So wake up to the voice of gentleness. Come out of your trance. There's more than one way. There are possibilities that lie in the thickets of your own life. My kavanah for today is that we become like Abraham. We wake up from our trance and midstream hear the voice of gentleness. That wake us up to a call from life that, not include, that includes not only devotion, but love and affirmation.
not only includes a narrow path forward, but expansion. For anyone who wants to shift their listening of the voice that calls them from a demanding, commanding voice to a listening, to a listening that allows for kindness, gentleness, and possibility, this Aliyah is for you.